Everybody, what's going on? It's your boy Vladimir Jean Philippe back from the dead, like the phoenix rising from its ashes. I have returned with another episode of Guys at Roundtable. <laughs> yeah, life has been pretty hectic, man. I, I can't sit here and bullshit everybody. Life has been pretty hectic, and you know what? I've been loving it. I'm a father to a one-year-old now and oh my goodness that year flew by i really enjoy it i really am happy in my life i've come a very long way to get to this point of happiness i've overcome some depression some bad choices in life and some rather tricky sticky situations i guess you could say to get to where i am today and i am super happy to get to sit here and record another episode of guys in the round table so that is me in a nutshell. That's where I've been on a hiatus for the past year. Um, <laughs> but hey, it is what it is. I come back at just the right time because in my hiatus, it seems as if the world wanted to go make some left turns. I guess you could say, I mean, it's it just absolute mayhem out there, isn't it? It's like you would think the world is coming to an end the way that people are reacting and behaving, but the world is not. So let's just, re- let's just Let's just calm down, grab a chair, and just have this conversation that we desperately need to have. And what that conversation is, might I ask you? Well, it raises today's topical question. Is race a big issue in America? Or to put it lightly and more succinctly, is race still an issue in America? And quite honestly, um, and this is just from my personal experience and my personal feelings on it. Um, yes. Okay, I'm just going to bluntly say, yes, race is still somewhat of an issue in America. Now, just because it's not an issue in your life or around your group of friends or in your circle doesn't mean that it's not an issue for other people around the world because we have to remember, okay, and this is very important. We have to remember this. The world does not revolve around us. It does not. Okay, there are other people that are living on this tiny little planet we call Earth, but is big on the grand scale that, you know, have shared experiences and they experience some negativities in their life. And we cannot discredit them. We cannot dismiss them. We have to address the situation for what it is in a very mature and hopefully intellectual manner. Right. That's what the hope is. But the unfortunate reality is we don't. Okay, so we have people pretty much going back and forth from the left and the right talking about race is dead or or I should say racism is dead or, you know, it does not exist and we should not be talking about it. We should be moving on to bigger and better things. And for the most part, yes, I agree. We should be moving on to bigger and better things. We should be making more technological advances in society on a social scale that on a social scale than what we have done recently. Okay, but unfortunately, There's a segment of the population that still think it's 1950s, 60s, and 30s, okay? So we have to address this issue, and hopefully in today's episode, we can do that in a mature and objective kind of manner, okay? So I'm not going to come here to kind of uh, create more divide, but to look at it in a way that we can kind of look at this and see where we can go from it, because... 
My mom always says, if you have a problem, there's no sense in just bitching about it if you don't have a solution. So my hope, my hope and goal is for this episode is to kind of have that sit down and let's logically think about this. Okay, let's, well, not think, but let's talk about it logically. Okay, because the only way we can move forward as a society is if we look ourselves in the mirror and we take accountability, we apologize and we move on. Right. So, again, I raise the question. Is race a big issue in America? And I gave you my definitive and blunt answer, it being yes, because I personally have dealt with such issues, okay, from my teenage years to my uh, teenage years, adult life, adolescent life, and to into even my mid-30s now, um, up until recently, uh, not too long ago, okay? So it does exist, and there is a segment of the population that still kind of have this backward thinking. And unfortunately, that segment of the population is a very large segment of the population. Okay. And if you don't believe me, <laughs> we could just literally turn to sports for almost any sport, really. I mean, heck, we could look at the Bubba Wallace situation in NASCAR, right? Like they told, well, NASCAR came with the decision that they wanted to ban the Confederate flags in their race events. Okay. And once they came up with that decision and they made it public, man, Everybody went up in arms talking about my heritage, my culture. This is my flag. This is about history and deleting history. And man, if you read some of the message boards, it is N-word this, N-word that. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, man. You would think that we were still living in the 1960s. And if you really think about it, the 1960s wasn't that long ago. Okay, <laughs> Those folks are probably in their 60s or 70s right now. So you know, there's still some some issues or some lingering quote-unquote effects of racism, and we need to address that, okay? So there's that, okay? And then recently, with the whole uh, BLM movement, and then now companies are stepping in and making some wholesale changes. On, um, I don't know if it's unfortunate or fortunate, because I don't know, and I say that because I don't know if the sentiments behind these wholesale changes are legitimate, like they legitimately want to... Hmm. make a change or they're worried about their financial net gains. Okay. And I hate to bring money into this, but money is in everything. Okay. Money is in everything. So we have to bring the financial repercussions into this because let's be real. Had some of these companies come out and said, F, F, um, F black lives matter. Oof, man, you talking about two billions of dollars being lost in revenue. Okay. So I understand that the businesses and everything like that, why they coming out in support of BLM. And people are up in arms about that. But I don't know if these wholesale changes are legitimate. So that's why I always put them in quote unquote uh, loose terms, right? So, but we see these businesses coming in and trying to support BLM. Uh, we see athletes stepping up and um, uh, using their platform to voice some changes that they want to see happen. Uh, even the NCAA is... Um, stepping in and kind of doing their part in trying to quote-unquote eliminate racism or racist things but back to the flags and everything we see people like going nuts with the confederate flags right because um in the state of mississippi i believe the sec commission or the sec board um pretty much kind of told mississippi uh, Ole Miss, yeah, Mississippi University and Mississippi State University that if they don't remove the rebel flag or the uh, Confederate flag off their um, their state the representation, like if they don't remove the flags, um, then there will be repercussions to be paid. And a couple of the football players 
Uh, one in particular that comes into mind is uh, Mississippi State's uh, running back, uh, Kalen Hill, who kind of came out and stated that, and I quote him, uh, either change the flag or I won't be representing the state anymore, end quote. Okay. And so with that, with him saying that, and he's, I, I don't know how serious he is, to be honest with you, but let's say he is being serious. Okay. When he made that statement, man, the racist comment under his profile was ridiculous. Okay. Some of the examples were, um, uh, I don't want to read these out loud because I'm trying to keep the cursing to a minimum, but a lot of these, like these N words have no sense of loyalty to these, uh, uh, to these, uh, schools that give them free rides to colleges and they're ungrateful SOBs. Okay. That's one comment. (laughs) Now, if you go through his, uh, and I'm, and the sad part is you can go to any, any website, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, any sports website that has this story where Kalen Hill stated that he wants to change the rebel flag or he won't play. And I'm telling you, the comment sections are littered with racial epithets, cuss words, you ungrateful N word. And it's just on and on. And it's just, it's a sad thing. So when we say is race still an issue in America, point that specific example and say, yeah, yeah, we still have an issue with this race in America. Okay. Now, a lot of people want to pretend that racism doesn't exist. Okay. And that's fine. Like you can live in your echo chamber and kind of like, you know, state that rhetoric while you want that racism does not exist. But here's the thing. And I was talking to a friend of mine and I made this comment to him and he kind of got it. Okay. It's like I use the analogy of the pink elephant and I know it's like the most cliched analogy you can use, but it it fits. Okay, so we're going to use it. I use this analogy. It's like there's a big elephant in the room and you want that elephant gone. What are you going to do? Are you going to talk about that elephant and make sure that you understand why it's there, what it's doing there? And then you can kind of coax it to be gone. Or are you going to pretend that elephant isn't in the room and just continue to keep staring at it? (laughs) Okay. And so when I made that kind of analogy, it kind of clicked in for the uh, friend of mine and she pretty much was just like, okay, I didn't understand, like, I didn't understand the whole hoopla before, but when you put it that way, I kind of get it now. Okay. Because, uh, everybody likes to point to that. Uh, what is it? Um, I believe it's Morgan Freeman and that CNN interview he did. I don't know if it was with Larry King or whomever, but. Essentially, the interviewer asked Morgan Freeman about the whole race issue. And then kind of Morgan Freeman just sat there in a staunch position and was just kind of like, well, don't talk about it. If you don't talk about it, there won't be any racism. And I was just kind of like when I was younger, I kind of listened to that. And I was like, hmm, okay, he might be onto something. And then I sat back and I watched the world go. Okay, because that interview was like several years ago. And I watched the world go and I'm just kind of like looking and I'm observing and I'm looking and I'm observing and I'm listening. And anytime the issue of race comes up, more often than not, I see people either A, cringe and try to mm, go on the side of like, err on the side of caution, we'll say, or B, they totally shut down and ignore the the conversation altogether, right? So it's usually one of those two extremes that I see. It's either A, they're cringy in their response or B, they ignore it. Okay, and then as they ignored it, I've noticed something is that the more they ignored it, the more uncomfortable the room got. Okay, it really does. Like 
Bring, like, you could try this experiment yourself. Bring up race. I don't care what you're talking about. Just bring up Black Lives Matter or anything race, right? And then the first thing people would do is try to avoid it like the plague. They'll change subjects. They'll say anything to just kind of not talk about it. And I've always wondered why that was. And then I kind of have a pseudo answer because I didn't really go researching for it. But it's because it's uncomfortable. It really is. If you really think about it, talking about race is super uncomfortable. So, and then the cringy part is like part A or the cringy part is people either try to defend it poorly or you get some really educated person that understand what's going on and they'll actually have a conversation with you. And those I've seen do more good than harm because when you actually try to have that conversation, no matter how awkward you actually propelling the conversation and you're propelling it forward. Okay. Because now you, you've introduced the conversation and now it's like, Oh, okay. I see where this is going. I understand your viewpoints, but here's my viewpoint. And then maybe we can find a middle ground to kind of, um, you know, come to and kind of like, you know, come to terms and peace with, I guess you could say. Right. Like those are usually the two uh, reactions that I get. And granted, I, I think personally, and this is from my experience, I personally and truly believe that if we talk about it, it is way better. Uh, it is a bit, way better outcome than it is to just ignore it and hope it goes away because it's not going to go away. Okay, we spent, what, 401 years hoping, it, <laughs> right? We spent 401 years hoping it would go away and it's still here in 2020. So I think it's time now to have this conversation, look ourselves in the mirror, take accountability for those actions, subtle or unsubtle or whatever. Just take accountability for the action. Try to apologize and then try to forgive and then hopefully move forward because that's what we're all trying to do is move forward, right? Because there's way more to life than to continue the insanity of denying that racism does not exist, okay? Because we've been trying to deny it for the past 400 years and it's still a lingering stench in the corner. It's like your dog took a shit in the corner of the room, right? Are you going to clean it up or are you just going to let it sit there? Because if you let it sit there, it's going to fester and it's going to collect flies and it's going to bring diseases and it's going to stink, right? And it's just going to be harder to deal with later on in life. But if you see your dog shit in that corner and you go clean it up, the mess is gone. It's going to be a little inconvenience at the time, but at, the, you know, at least it's clean. You know what I'm saying? So we have to go ahead and have that conversation. And, you know, hopefully we can kind of oh, battle the sheer ignorance that is out there. And... Oh, boy, is ignorance out there. <laughs> Man, the ignorance is out there. But it, it, yeah. So when people try to, def you know, deflect it and they say it was a long time ago, honestly, it's not. Okay. So when we like when we try to ignore it and it was like, well, the common answer I always hear is like, well, slavery was a long time ago. And why are we still talking about it today? Well, it's 2020. And then the slaves were quote unquote free in 1865. You take 2020 minus 1, 1865, 155, 156 years plus or minus one. Okay. Depending on what year you want to go to actual like uh, slavery um, or the emancipation of slavery. Um, and then so if you take that and then you do like the average age of a person living is what, 65 years old. Right. And then you divide that by 155, you get what, 2.38. <laughs> Uh, I was trying to do quick math in my head because sometimes I can do it fast, but sometimes I can't. But that's about 2.38 ish and some odd change. Okay, so that's like what? 2.3 generations. So that's like two, two and a half generations ago. That's not that long ago, bro. The one the last, like, 
Yeah, that's two, three generations. That's like your great grandpa. <laughs> so that's that's your daddy's dad or your daddy's dad's dad. Something like that, okay? Because I can't really do the whole genealogy thing too well. But yeah, that's not that long ago. Okay, that's 2.3 generations or two, two to three generations. Okay, so it's really not that long ago if you really think about it. And hell, uh, the Civil Rights Act signed in 1964, 65 was only 66, 65 years ago. So yeah, like, come on, guys. It's really not that long ago. And we all know somebody 60 something years old because that's your grandpappy for the most part. Okay, so it really was not that long ago that slavery and this whole segregation, Jim Crow and racism, for the most part, has been prevalent in this country. Hell, it's still prevalent in 2020. Go to any athlete's message board and you'll find out real quick how racist people can really be. Like you'll see a whole plethora of N-bombs and all other racial epithets um, that come spewing out of those when people don't get the athletes to do what they want. Um or just go to LeBron James's Instagram profile and you'll find out, <laughs> okay? So it, it, it's alive and well in my opinion and I think we need to talk about it in order to deal with it in a more mature manner. And now another thing that um, I think people need to acknowledge or at least have an honest conversation is the whole BLM movement, right? Which is uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement because Essentially, the phrase is what it is, right? It's Black Lives Matter. But you have the deniers, the people that deny that racism exists. They want to kind of flip the narrative and say that the Black Lives Matter uh, movement is racist. And I've listened to people talk about this, and I'm like, how is it racist? I really don't understand. And then you listen to them, and they're talking about, well, you know, they're saying F white people, F this and F that, and they don't really care about white people's problems. They bring up black on black crimes, and that's the go-to for everybody. I don't understand that. But, <laughs> but you know, apparently they're saying that Black Lives Matter is a racist organization. Now, I haven't done much research to confirm nor deny these terms because a lot of the evidence that's out there is anecdotal evidence, right? It's like personal experiences from people. And let's be honest, people, anecdotal evidence is not actual evidence. It's not, you can't use it for data. You can't use it for nothing. It's not backed by science. It's not backed by anything. So anecdotal, anecdotal evidence is not evidence, okay? Just because you experience something doesn't mean it's the way things are, per se, okay? I'm telling you, like I stated in the beginning of this podcast, there's way more people outside of your bubble. Okay, there's about 328 million more. <laughs> I believe that's the population of the United States, 328.2 million people. So, yeah, get out of your echo chamber and, you know, poke your head out the window a couple times. There's way more people out there than you are. But people claim that it's racist. I don't think Black Lives Matter is racist. I can't... <sighs> As an African-American male myself, well, technically I'm Haitian, but whatever. As a black man myself, I understand the sentiment that black lives matter because it's not coming from a place of inherent superiority, right? We're not saying black lives is better than white lives. We're saying that we matter as well. In that statement, I wholeheartedly believe black lives matter because it seems like and this is my anecdotal evidence. And again, it's not true evidence, but this is what I've observed and this is what I've seen. Okay. I've seen many police killings. Okay. The shooting of unarmed black men 
and or I should say the killing of unarmed black men, right? And for me, that hits close to home. It hits me in the personal spot because I feel like any interaction I have with the police could possibly be my last if I make the wrong move. Okay, that's a very heavy burden to kind of carry as an African-American male in this society, okay? To know or to think that any interactions you have with the police could be your final because of rash judgment or, you know, you made a sudden move and then they took it as a threat. So that's very concerning for me, right? So in that aspect, yes, for me, my life also matters. As a black man, my life should matter as well. But too many times I see killings of unarmed black men and the reaction I see from other races, mostly white folks, is that, huh, what'd he do? What has he done to get to that point? Why didn't he just comply? Why does he have to do this? Why didn't he just listen to the police officer? Why did he have to run? Why is he hiding? He could have just obeyed the law. If he had obeyed the police command, he would still be alive today, right? And that is the most dismissive thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And that's sad, okay? Because when I put it, or I flip the script and I put it myself in that position, right? Let's say that a police pulls me over unjustly, right? I didn't do anything and I get pulled over. Now, my interactions with the police is going to be, one, my heart rate's going to be up because I'm nervous. His heart rate's going to be up because he doesn't know me, okay? And so it's going to be a tense situation just to begin with. But if I make a sudden move and he feels it's a threat and I get killed, I don't want people or the ones I care about to just kind of be like, well, what did he do? <laughs> I don't want that to be the first thought. OK, but too often when we see these killings and we have to be honest with ourselves, the very first thought that comes to our mind is, well, why didn't he listen to the police? Why is it on the arrestee to always be correct? And why not on the officer to do his job properly? Huh? Like, I don't get that. Like, I truly don't get that. Okay, so that to me is mind boggling because it always seems like we put the onus on the on the arrestor, on, on the arrestee, right? The person getting arrested, we put the onus on that person to comply, to always do what's right and to not make any sudden movements. But we have video evidence completely proving the opposite, okay? Now, it's not just black folks, okay? There's the case of Daniel Shaver who was an exterminator, had a pellet gun, and somebody called the police on him, and they came, and then that jackass made pretty much played Simon Says with his life. Poor Daniel fucked up because he was, let's be honest, that dude was on edge, man. And that police officer executed him with no regards, lit him up. If you don't believe me, watch the video, and it, I, I warn you, it's a very graphic video. Okay, if I can figure out the fancy technology to pin that video, I'll put it on the uh, thingy so you guys can see it. Okay, it's a very graphic video. It's very sad. And he was a white guy. But that's few and, and that's a rare thing. But as a black man, I personally feel like Black Lives Matter is a statement that should be recognized and not debated. Like I get it. All lives matter. Yeah, sure. Now, if you want to go that route, I mean, we can take it to a dark route. If you really think all lives matter, then pedophiles should matter. Murderers of your family should matter or murderers in general should matter. Right. But we condemn all those things. Satanists, people who do stupid shit, 
You know what I'm saying? We like it, once you say all lives matter, that's all inclusive, right? That's a very inclusive word. So now you have to include every walk of life from good to bad in that statement. Now, if you want to pick and choose which is good and which is bad, then your statement does not hold merit. Okay, all life does not matter if you want to pick and choose at what's good and what's not, or who gets to live and who gets to die. Okay, all I'm saying is, and this is from my perspective, is that when I hear the phrase "Black Lives Matter," I am including myself into that conversation because my life matters, and it should matter to somebody I give a fuck about. Somebody should care enough for my life that if I die. They would come and like at least vouch for me. Okay. I don't want to be swept under the rug as, oh, well, what did he do? Or this is the one that even hurts me the most or even bothers me the most is that as soon as a black man dies unjustly by the cop, right? They read this dude's long rap sheets of whatever the fuck he did in his past. Like, okay, what does his past have to do with the present of him being killed by this police officer? Okay. It's not the police job to be judge, jury, and executioner. It is the police job to apprehend you, bring you to court, and hopefully, quote unquote, let the justice system get take care of you. And we all know how the justice system is too, but at least you're alive, okay? You may be spending some days in a box, but you're brought in alive. To wrap that part up, when I hear Black Lives Matter, and this is just me, I'm including myself in that statement because I hope my life matters to at least somebody. Okay, so is it racist? I don't know if the organization is because people tell me they're Marxist ideas and then there's people are saying that they're funded by George Soros and the Hillary Foundation and there's this whole conspiracy theory to infiltrate and create chaos in the world and blah, 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 blah. I don't buy none of that crap. Okay, I really don't. Like, I don't understand what's the purpose of using black folks to infiltrate anything okay like we don't hold that much power like let's be honest what the fuck are we what the fuck are we infiltrating seriously like i don't understand these conspiracy theories and these nonsensical thinkings to kind of justify why black folks are dying and why black lives uh organization doesn't matter now i don't care what your feeling of the organization is that's not what i'm asking you to take into context here i'm asking you to take the phrase for what it is. Black lives matter as it should. It is not saying black lives are superior to your life, to white life, to Asian life, to Hispanic life. It is mattering. That's all it's saying is that black lives matter, not superior. All we're asking for is a little bit of it, a little bit of equality so that we can live and survive police encounters. That's all we're asking for. Okay, so I take that phrase as that. Okay, I, I I don't I don't play this left and right bullshit game. Okay, this conservatism conservatism versus liberalism. I don't do none of that. To me, that's and it's a political game that nobody wins in. Okay, both sides. To me, the polit like Republicans and Democrats and conservatives and liberals are both sides of an ass cheek. Okay, it's a left and a right ass cheek, and they're both going to shit on you. Okay, that's how I look at that. So I hate this politic game, and I hate that, you know, the fact that we're asking folks to kind of consider black lives to be just as important as white lives or anybody else's lives, and it turns into a political bullshit game. And I don't understand why that is. I really don't. That, to me, is the saddest thing in this whole ordeal. 
is that we have to play this political bipartisan bullshit crap. Okay. It's just, it is what it is. It's just that I'm asking you to, Hey, if I get shitted on, can you defend me? That's all I'm asking is I want my life to matter enough to be like, Hey man, that was kind of fucked up. What you did to Vlad, he was a good dude. Why'd you have to kill him? You know what I'm saying? I hate to use myself in that kind of like way, but that's the only way I can think of to kind of bring my point across is to use myself as an example in that sense. Okay. And hopefully I'm nice enough to some of you fuckers that you love me enough to go burn down some cities <laughs> and defend my ass. All right. So I love y'all. So I hope y'all love me just as much back. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, moving on with the conversation. <laughs> I, I kid there, but in all seriousness, though, I really hope you fuckers would uh, love me enough to burn down a fucking city to kind of defend my name and my honor. And, and whatnot so because i know if it was somebody i knew and loved i'm burning down hell i'm bringing hell with me wherever that person is i'm bringing hell with me and we're destroying some shit okay so i i get it people are against the rioting and the looting and all that other stuff and they like the peaceful protesting but i think that it's a natural evolution into when something is unjust and bullshit i i, I hate to say it but it is what it is okay rioting is the language of the unheard According to Dr. King, and I'm paraphrasing. Okay, so to me, Black lives do matter. And on that note, and then it's, I had this thought too, and I'm going to share this one. I find it amazing that Black people have overcome so many obstacles that when we ask for fairness, it's viewed as giving us an advantage. I'm going to repeat that again. Black people have overcome so many obstacles that when we ask for fairness is viewed as giving us an advantage and i find that to be quite troubling really because it, it, it it's it, it kind of epitomizes everything right like that we've been talking about so far that like people say that they, they, that racism does not exist right but here we are asking for us to just be treated fairly not better Fairly, give us the same opportunities that everybody else has in a fair manner, but it's seen as we're asking for an upper hand or something. You know what I'm saying? Like ain't, it, that's that's a, that's an amazing concept because we've overcome so much as a as a as a people, right? That we're asking to be treated fairly, and it's viewed by some as asking for or taking the upper hand. That's how poorly we've been treated. And that's how, like, that's how many obstacles we've overcome. That's how all the hurdles we've jumped through, <laughs> right? Because we've been held down, like, right? We went through save, uh, slavery. Then we went through uh, Jim Crow and segregation, right? And then after the whole Jim Crow segregation thing, we've had a, a brief period where we were, quote unquote, freeish, right? And I, I say freeish because we really weren't free, right? We were... Mm, targeted I don't, I don't want to say target yeah i guess we'll go with targeted we were targeted for uh, 60 some odd years technically after the civil rights act of 1964 right we've been targeted for like unjust crimes like we got the what the war on drugs or the stop and frisk in new york uh laws right then there's if you go down to the south there's like voter restrictions that like you know what i mean like 
folks that um, get like their voting uh, rights uh, rights infringed on. Hell, even Kentucky had like what over 3,200 uh, voting polling stations in their state, and then all of a sudden, in the span of a weekend, uh, in the span of a weekend, they had like 32. Right? They went from 3,200 down to like 32, and then they had one. And a predominantly African American area that was like of what six hundred and six hundred thousand plus residents. They had one polling station in that county. We've jumped through hoops as a black people. Jumped through many a hoops, right? And yet when we actually be treated fairly, it's like, hey man, we can't give you that because it'll give you the upper hand. It's like, well, no shit. We're actually be treated fairly. <laughs> we want the same start you guys had. Okay? So it's funny to me that people claim that racism does not exist, but at the very same breath, they'll say some racist shit like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then you got people like, oh, God, you got this lady, uh, Candace Owens, right? And uh, I don't want to shit on her because that's not what I'm about, right? Well, I'm a roaster, but now I'm not going to do it on here because I'm trying to bring some positivity and some objectivity to this whole podcast, right? But Candace Candace Owen is, is one of those uh, folks that's like, she's a conservative, and it's just like, some of the stuff she says is, oof, mind-blowing, right? But at the same time, she does have some solid points in what she's talking about. So I don't want to completely dismiss her, but some of the shit she does say is like, mm, lady, that's kind of some bullshit racist stuff you're kind of enforcing right there. You know what I mean? You really are enforcing some some BS racial stereotypes that's not really correct. But at the same time, it's like you're black. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's on people like racist folks going to use that. And like, yo, see, this black person agrees with us. Blah, 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 blah. So, <laughs> but she has her points and she has her moments and I get it. She's trying to help the African-American community. But I think what the, the way she's going about it is all wrong. Okay, that's just me. But, you know, you have those people out there. Um, you have most conservatives. Like, let's be honest here. Most conservatives, I feel, oof, and I don't want to have my feelings because I want to be objective. But it seems that most conservatives have some very suspect viewpoints. <laughs> we'll say that. When it comes to um, African Americans in society and just pretty much trying to advance their lives and everything like that, some of your viewpoints be uh, suspect. And I'm not going to sit here and uh, deny that it's not, okay? If some of your views, let's be honest, are suspect as hell, okay? <laughs> and then, you know, you have a lot of posts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, etc. Because, let's be honest, that's a cesspool of just kind of nonsensical BS. Okay, that's just, yeah. Ugh. Jesus Christ, like, going on Facebook, man, infuriates me sometimes. But it is what it is because it's needed, Right? Excuse me. We need to have those um, ideas out there so we can debate them, defute them, and, well, not defute, refute them. <laughs> so we can get proper uh, information out there. So we can combat this uh, ignorance together because racism is ignorance, okay? And I, I would love to recommend Jane Elliott to everybody. Like, if you don't know who this lady is, she's a white history professor or teacher, and she pretty much breaks down how white folks kind of view races, uh, race, uh, how white people view race in uh, their lives and in America, essentially, right? Because she pretty much talks about white privilege, and I don't want to say white privilege because, like, granted, it's it's a thing that kind of exists, 
but I know a lot of people that were not quote unquote privileged. I grew up with a lot of folks that were just as poor or had it just as bad as I did and they were white. So I, I kind of tried to use that term kind of loosely, you know what I mean? Because let's be honest, they, they still can do better <laughs> uh, than what uh, black folk uh, can do. Because um, I've heard a quote and it's from a white man and I can't remember exactly where, but um, what is it? If a white person is doing poorly in America is because they're lazy and that kind of was just like, woof. but you can also do use the term. It's like, well, can it cannot be applied to black folks? Yeah, it can. It can. But there's obstacles like legitimate system systemic uh, obstacles that's in the way of of uh, helping an African-American to succeed. Like there's a lot of uh, hoops and loopholes and. And a whole bunch of shit that a black man got to do in this country to kind of even make it. I mean, just listen to some of the stories of like these kids that go to like med school and everything like that. It is just horrible. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Right. So just to simply wrap things up here um, in the 400 years of history in America, African-Americans have been enslaved legally um what's the word I'm looking for has been legally held back through Jim Crow's and segregation and redlining laws and all these other um, loopholes that's been going through. I mean, shit, you can look up all the hoops that African-Americans got to go through in life and you'll see that some of these things are just messed up. But for 401 years, white folks had to build up themselves. You had a 401 year head start, right? And Black folks had had 66 years approximately to play catch up. So that's what oppression does. 400 years of oppression leads to depression, leads to high crime rates, leads to violence. And it is what it is. I mean, it's a grim look on it, but to be honest with you, I think the solution that would best suit everybody here in this situation is that, and this is my final thoughts and I'll wrap this up and we'd be out of here, is that I'm all about black empowerment. Okay, I love my black folks. I really do. And I also love my white folks. Okay, I really love everybody. I'm a humanist. Okay, I believe in the people and I believe people are genuinely good and they will do the right things. And I also believe that there's evil out there. So I, you know, I, I treat them appropriately. But for the most part, I believe in people. And that's what I choose to put my energy and time into. We need the human race as black folks to have this conversation and have it on terms where we can be respectable towards each other, okay? In my opinion, and this is my humble opinion, racism does exist. We need to acknowledge it, we need to come to terms with it, which will hopefully lead to some kind of apology, which would lead to some kind of acceptance and forgiveness, sympathy and empathy, which leads to respect for one another, and that respect leads to understanding, ultimately all of that leads to love and compassion and that's where i would like to leave that so yeah thanks for listening to my rant and until next time remember god loves you i'll see y'all on the next one peace